BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. There were a lot of top models at the time. And um, one day, maybe I was exhausted, Milan show were starting. So I did on Linda Evangelista a color, uh, uh, which has a, a two color. Um, and after Kristen McMenamy, which was my favorite model ever, came and I did the same kind of color on her. And when she arrived in Milan and she saw that Linda had the same hair color, she took her hair, she cut it off, put it in an envelope, sent it back, to, and she sent it to me saying, take it back. Hey guys, welcome to Breaking Beauty, the podcast all about the best-selling beauty products and the damn good stories behind them. We're your hosts, Carlene Higgins and Jill Dunn. Welcome back to Breaking Beauty Podcast, everybody. Hi, Carlene. Hi, Jill. How are you? I'm great. I'm having a good hair day. And so whenever I have a blowout and get my waves done, yeah. I'm just, you know, I'm more confident. Yeah, you've, good. you've got a sunbeam hitting you right now. So oh, it's a bit, a bit angelic. Extra highlights. Yeah. Does that have something to do with our guest today? You know it. <laughs> we have Christophe Robin in the house. Mm-hmm. He is a decades-long hair color master straight from France. I think everybody is going to be obsessed with him because mm-hmm. his approach to hair color is so different yeah. than what we are used to hearing. Mm-hmm. Not only that, he's one of the only founders that we've that we really know of that has his own line of hair care. Yeah, that's right. He does have hair colors now, but right. he's really more focused on the health of the hair right. and the health of the scalp, mm-hmm. treating it kind of like the skin on your face. Mm-hmm. And just with the belief that the healthier that your scalp is, the more beautiful your hair will look and feel. Very French approach. Mm-hmm. So while you guys may not know his name, he has been sort of the mastermind behind many trends that we have seen at the drugstore because he was a color expert with L'Oreal Paris for many, many years. Yeah, we're on so many commercials. Oh my God, with Claudia Claudia Schiffer and Letitia Casta. And I think what is also interesting about him is that he really was at the right place at the right time and made his mark with all of the supermodels that we know and love from the mid 90s. That's right. He worked with Stephanie Seymour, Claudia Schiffer and Elle McPherson. And he became the guru that they could go to where their hair would stay healthy. So if you were a Linda Evangelista and you were going from blonde to brown to red hair, you needed to go to somebody who wasn't going to let your hair fall out because they were only concerned about what your hair looked like for that next shoot. And Mm -hmm. that's really part of his end game is the longevity of your hair, the health of your hair. I mean, somebody's 
got to be looking out for it. Yeah. And that just made everyone flock to him, including celebrities like Catherine mm-hmm. Deneuve, yep. Tilda Swinton. He still works with Catherine Deneuve today. That's so amazing. Yeah. Christophe began apprenticing at just 14 years old. Wow. When other kids were playing soccer in the yard, he was like doing hair color. So that was in a small town in France where he grew up. And he opened his first salon when he was just 24 years old. And what was unique about the salon. First mm-hmm. of all, it was very small. It was one chair and one sink. In Paris. In Paris. But it was dedicated solely to the task of hair color. Mm-hmm. And that concept did not exist. Yeah. Everywhere everywhere else was, you know, you get your hair cut and then... The you, roller set. Yeah. You, get, you know, the barber. It's all happening. This was the... Color was the star of the show. And his approach to hair color was really about radiance mm-hmm. and bringing out your features. And I would feel really privileged that I got to witness that firsthand today. Yeah. Um, when he, he told me my hair color was perfect, but go on. <laughs> it is. So today we were at Lack & Co Salon here in Toronto and Christoph sat with me and he was really examining my complexion and sizing up my eye color. Mm-hmm. So as some of you may know, I'm blonde, a little bit of hazel in my, in my eye color. And he said in the French accent, which I will not try and imitate, he said, I feel you like to go more ashy, Mm -hmm. but you should be more golden. So you're fighting the gold. I'm fighting the gold. And I'm just sitting there going, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah, he knows it. And he said, if you go more ashy, your eye color will look ugly. (laughs) (laughs) I love the no filter. I know. I feel like maybe it was a bit of lost in translation, you know, struggling for words, but also just no filter, but also just no filter. And it's like, great. Give, you know, give me the honest goods. I'm ready for it. That's like an honor that he was just that, that straight up with you. 100%. 100%. And I said, who's my hair goals icon? He's like Julia Roberts. So I'm going to start downloading all the pictures. I could see it, honestly. Mm -hmm. Wow. In 1999, he started his own line of hair care, which was all based on his experience in the salon, what he was seeing in his clients, the problems they were having. He was out to solve those problems through these products that he created. Yeah. And so over the course of the last 20 years, uh, he has about 30 products, not a lot. He's not launching them a go-go to just um just for the just for the sake of launching. Mm-hmm. He is going after like you said this problem solution type of thing. And I really appreciate the the whole notion and philosophy behind the products because it is very French. They're all about treating their hair like fabric. There are no the whole concept of blow dry bars in France or in Paris, it just doesn't exist. People don't do it because they view heat, styling and curling irons and all of that. It's just so it's just so damaging for the hair. They don't do it. Right. It's like your best Chanel blazer. Yeah. You're not going to throw it in the wash exactly. every two days. Yeah. You're going to let it air dry and take it to the dry cleaner once in a blue moon. Yeah. Right. And yeah, people are always like, what's the secret with French girl hair? Well, we're, we are telling you right now, they don't use heat implements and they put a scrunchie on the top of their head, roll around a bit in bed and wake up and they have perfect hair. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think it's really commendable that 20 years later, he hasn't gone down the path of hairsprays and gels and mousses and all of that. He's really stuck to his vision, Mm -hmm. which is about taking care of the scalp and the health of the hair. So let's talk about the bestseller. In 2013, Christophe launched the Cleansing Purifying Scrub with Sea Salt. Yeah. It sells for $53 in the U.S., $67 in Canada. It's sold at select salons and also Sephora. 
But it's in a tub and it's meant to be a sort of a shampoo treatment, Mm -hmm. which is different. Yeah. So it looks like a sea salt scrub. Like when I, you first open it, you're like, am I supposed to scrub my cellulite with this or my scalp? (laughs) I'm not quite sure. Yeah. It's chunky guys. It's chunky and salty. Yeah. So you take a tablespoon out and my experience with it is that you should put it in the palm of your hand, add a little bit of water. And then when you're washing your hair in the shower, really work the salt into the roots and as you add more water, you're, you are going to be emulsifying it and it does foam up just like a shampoo. It foams up a lot. I was very skeptical of this product when right. I first started using it because I think the word cleansing, I think the word purifying, and I think the word scrub, and I just think my color investment washing down the drain. Yeah. <laughs> And, but really, this is a great product for me because it was designed for people who get a little bit itchy or have sensitive scalps after they color, which I definitely get. Mm-hmm. So if you have any kind of sensitive scalp or a little bit of flakiness or dandruff, I think you will really like this. And it's meant to be used kind of like once a week or so, or mm-hmm. right, especially right after you color you color your hair. I would not use this every day. Mm-hmm. It surprised me that how yeah. much I actually loved it and my hair felt so clean. Well, if you think about the effects of going into the ocean when you have psoriasis or you have really dry skin and it makes your skin more hydrated and just soothed. I think that's really what he was after Mm -hmm. with using salt. And I think, you know, you'll hear in the podcast that they used to use real salt and sort of, and he just, you know, took it to his um, chemist and made it into a product everyone could use. Mm -hmm. But what I like about it is it's essentially a detoxifying. So now, of course, there are charcoal shampoos yep. and all of that. Um, but that's really what it's about. The promise is that it's going to leave your hair feeling cleaner longer. Right. They say up to three days. I found because I have dry ends, I could take it right to five days. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Yeah. And there's a sister product, which they used on me today. It's the purifying shampoo. So much like you would exfoliate once a week with your favorite scrub on your skin, Mm -hmm. this is sort of that idea for your scalp. So you would shampoo every day with this and you'd use the scrub once a week or whenever Mm -hmm. you feel like you needed it. And big news, in April, Christoph is launching a new addition to the range. It's called Detangling Jelly with Sea Minerals. It's said to have the potency of a mask, but with a super light jelly consistency that won't weigh hair down. That would be perfect for my bird's nest that I always get after I shampoo. I'll so I'm looking curious. forward to trying. I'm very curious about that. Before we move on, I want to talk really quickly about this unique product he has. It is a hydrating shampoo bar with aloe vera. It looks like a bar of soap. Mm-hmm. It's 22 US dollars, 26 in Canada. This is one of those love it or loathe it products. I had heard about it from a few other beauty editors. I'm going to try it, report back. I'm all about minimalizing this year. And I think this will be great because you can use it when you're traveling on your hair and on your body. Mm-hmm. And Christoph himself said, It takes using it about three times to get the hang of it because it's not going to suds up quite as much as maybe you're used to. It's a different feeling. And, um, but I love the idea. He said, Australians are obsessed with it. uh, Like a lot of forward thinking, zero waste kind of communities in Seattle and San Francisco are obsessed with it. So let's get into the episode. You're about to hear some amazing tips from Christoph, like how you should be washing your hair for how many minutes Mm -hmm. and, you know, the correct method and what not to do, especially when it comes to dry shampoo. I was shook with mm-hmm. that tip, honestly. Mm-hmm. And you'll also hear the best advice Christophe ever received, which was from none other than Monsieur Yves Saint Laurent. And because nobody's perfect, you'll find out the one hair color faux pas Christophe copped to that caused an angry supermodel to do something pretty ugly back in the day. There was no phones thrown, but it was kind of on that same level. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. But first, let's hear about Christophe Robin's life before he ventured out to the big city of Paris to conquer the world of hair color at the tender age of 18. I'm Christophe Robin. I am a hair colorist from Paris and I started this product line more than 22 years ago. At first, it was for my own usage as a colorist at the time of the big top models. And after, it was the beginning of a beautiful distribution in 32, 35 countries now. Tell us about where you grew up and what life was like for you there. (laughs) I grew up... uh, I grew up in the countryside, uh, in a little village of 160 people in the Champagne area of France. My parents were farmers, and um, and uh, there was no air salon around. And uh, every Sunday, uh, my mother and her friend used to meet all together in the kitchen uh, to um, to color their hair and to to, to transform their se- themselves. What did that smell like? Do you remember what ammonia, it's... Ammonia, <laughs> ammonia. That's funny because after I worked for L'Oréal, you know, as a consultant uh, to make their, their, their color for mass market, and I worked for the brand my mother and her friend used. Uh, it's called Préférence. It's oh still God. going on. Um, let trust me. I did put a lot of art creating the shades for those L'Oréal uh, yeah. boxes for <laughs> for uh, more than a decade. And so, what was your day to day life like growing up in sort of a smaller town? I think we hear a lot of beauty founders who are from Paris, and they that's sort of like they it sort of fell into it very naturally. What was like day to day life like for you? It was a real country life childhood. Uh, I hated it, to be honest with you. I hated it so much. I was just looking at the planes in the sky, wishing I could travel. My parents never traveled. They were not stupid. They were very educated for farmers. But uh, I was dreaming of another life. It was, uh, you know... When you were a child in a little farm, you had to work. Yeah. Um, everybody's saying, oh, children should not work. I believe, you know, when you work with your parents, when they have an artisanal job or a farm, it's a great thing to work. So the thing I would do is after the school to go and pick up the cows with my bicycle and the dogs in the field. That was the nice part because the cows wanted to be milked. You know, they were in a rush, so they would come very uh, uh, fast to the stable. But for the way back, it was more of a trouble because we wanted to have a walk around. Yeah. Uh, but I was a dreamer. I was dreaming. And, I, I, and I, I'm sad to see my nieces and all those kids now spending so much time on their phone and on social media because you, you don't have the time to dream. I had the best life until now because I dreamt of it. It may be not the best dream of that you can have, but the, you know, to want to travel, to want to be free, to want to be true to yourself, and to want to um, to achieve. How old were you when you got to Paris? I was not even seventeen. Wow! Wow! Yeah. Tell us about going to Paris at such a young age and how you would arrive in working at a salon. Before that, I worked as an apprentice when I was 14 years old uh, to uh, 16 years old uh, in, in a little city that um, 60 kilometers away from my hometown. And I loved it because that was an old colorist from the 60s mm. uh, who used to work for the Carita sisters. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, I know. The and they had a culture of treatment and caring for the hair, mm-hmm. which was very heavy. Yeah. But at that time, when I arrived in Paris, it was totally the opposite. The formulation was changing. 
doing a lot of silicone polymer. Mm -hmm. You know, women used to go to hair salon to to style their hair once or twice a week. Mm -hmm. Right. And all of a sudden, voilà. yeah. <laughs> and think all and after thanks to this kind of formulation and the hair were easy to detangle and hair were becoming flat before you liked volume but now everybody wanted to have free hair mm -hmm. very sleek so it was a big change into the hair industry at the time a lot of franchise arrived at the time mm -hmm. franchise for hair salon mm -hmm. and to be honest with you we lost a little bit the artisanal way mm -hmm. because this franchise what they wanted is to have techniques that would be fast and economic and secure right. uh, in a teeny salon uh, you know they would spend hours on a client to be sure uh, she would be uh, happy and uh, it would last so when I arrived in Paris it was a kind of a shock because all what I learned mm. at that woman who used to work for Carissa sister sounds so old-fashioned you know mm. it was uh, even me I was questioning myself saying but I'm you know I'm like an old I'm only 17 and not even but <laughs> I'm already like an old hairstylist uh, from the 30s. Uh, but I, I'm glad you I know had that. You know how to do a roller set. Yeah, You've yeah, got yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah. If you want to look like an old lady, I can do that for you. <laughs> I can really can do that for you. But um, it's like in music, like in jazz. It may sound a little weird, jazz, but trust me, there, are a lot of, there is a lot of technique behind that. It's the same thing. Now you see, I see the young hairstylists when they don't look the volume. They don't look at the volume, you know, the, the, the top is always a little flat or, or there's always a little thing missing that you don't see. Look, I have a lot of pleasure when I watch the Hitchcock movies and all of that mm -hmm. to see the beautiful hairdos and the technique right. about it. Bon, it doesn't look modern for sure mm -hmm. but the basis of that you know the volume the way you want to be sure of a little hair around your face is perfect and all yeah. of that that's still uh, something important but um, but to go back uh, about my how naive i was when i arrived in paris i worked for uh, jean-louis david jean-louis david at the time was the biggest chain of, of her salon they had 900 salons all over the world And they had a studio team in the same time. And uh, one of these hairstylists asked me to come on to a L'Oréal shoot with the top model Stephanie Seymour. Mm -hmm. I had no idea of who she was. Peter Lindbergh was the, the, the photographe. And Linda Cantelo or Stéphane Marais were the makeup artists. And I was such a country boy. I had no idea of who they were, <laughs> these people. But uh, I learned very... You were the presence of greatness. You yeah, really were. yeah. But I learned very early that uh, the bigger they are and the nicer they are, mm -hmm. always. Yeah. I want to ask you, because choosing hair color as a path is quite unusual or not we haven't talked to many founders that are colorists so why did you choose that path versus cutting hair alors it's that lady uh, um, yeah. where, where i was an apprentice who told me right away you have tons of great hairstylists everywhere hair color is an artisanal job that's falling apart nobody wants to do it uh, and it's true i was disappointed at the time because it was not funny of uh, the hair color uh, Uh, it was l less spectacular uh, than, the, uh, than the hairstylist. And she said to me, become a good hair colorist. You'll see your client will be very loyal to you and you'll work forever. And uh, it seems 
that she was right and it seems that uh, she made me like that job yeah and i've read that you said you don't really you didn't really like cutting hair was there a story or an anecdote about a really bad haircut you did that turned you off or there are too many <laughs> there are too many <laughs> you know like what you want to do a bob and then it becomes very short because there's always one side short like sorry it. stephanie yeah, seymour yeah. No. <laughs> guess you're having a pixie today no cut is uh, cut, cut is something i, I, I can't do so much. My friends in the countryside, they're all begging for me to cut their hair. I'm like, I'm like I don't know how to do it very well. But you're, an, you're an hairdresser, you do it, you do it. They never ask me twice. <laughs> so going back to that day that you were on set with Peter Lindbergh, what did you learn that day and how did your career start to grow after that? I learned, I learned, I believe the most important thing that I kept all of my life, and I believe that's Linda Contello, the makeup artist, who told me so. Um, she said to me, you have to break your techniques, uh, because if you're too technical, uh, it won't catch the light. Uh, she explained to me that Peter Lindbergh loved contrasts mm -hmm. on his pictures. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, for me, everything was new, but uh, I, you know, I was willing to learn every single breath, every single word. Uh, and so it's she showed me pictures and she said, you know, it's in black and white. He likes the deep contrast. So if you do highlights, you know, every mm -hmm. centimeter from the back, you won't have it. So how can you do um, to, 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 to break it, to break your techniques? So that's something I kept mm -hmm. for a long time. And, and, um, and I, I was lucky. I'm a lucky boy too because um, it was the beginning of the top models. Mm -hmm. Stephanie didn't want to color her hair. Um, she liked what I did because I had that past of caring too, you know, because for those girls at the time, her color was like burning their hair. Right. So as I had that past of caring, she didn't feel anything onto her hair. It felt good. Um, and after she gave my name to a lot of girls and that was the beginning of my... Um, Carry on. And then I understand you opened a hair color salon at a very young age, and that was sort of a first, right? In fact, in Paris, there were no uh, salons uh, dedicated uh, for hair color and treatment. And uh, I didn't believe in the association of hairstylists and hair colorists because at the time when you used to go to a hair salon, there was the stylist who would tell the colorist what to do. Uh, and uh, um, there are some technical issues sometimes and the hairstylist uh, didn't knew, didn't know, didn't, didn't know. know. Uh, so um, it was always a problem like, you know, a red hair girl who would come with Anna or whatever and he would say, oh, go blonder, you're going to look, go, go, go blonder, Christophe, do it. And after we said, uh, you know, on Anna, you can't bleach it or whatever, you know. So it was always a problem. So. I looked for a salon where I could have worked. It was always, the hair color department was always in the basement or on the top, no daylight. It's so true. They had you in the closet all the time. Yeah. <laughs> With black robes, black towels. You couldn't see the skin tone and all of that. So I didn't believe in that. So I did find a little money uh, through some friends and I opened up uh, inside of a courtyard, a little 24 square meter uh, salon. I had no money at the time, uh, you know, to redo everything. So I took uh, a friend of mine who was selling silk. So we did a lovely silk decor all around to hide the misery. And uh, actually, it was such a little jewel box, that little salon. And yeah. it worked right away. How right old away. were you? 24. When? Oh, my gosh. So young. Yeah. I actually I've been working since 10 years already. 
Yeah. Wow. wow. And you have that same salon to this day, right? Or you've just uh, moved no, no, it? no. I moved. I yes. moved. I moved. It was so little. Yeah. So little, but so cute. It was in the courtyard, yeah. and it was. Uh, I was. Uh, it was cheap that neighborhood uh, at the time. It was uh, at the end of Rue Saint Honoré, and after Colette arrived, mm -hmm. uh, Colette was a great store mm -hmm. for uh, over twenty years. Uh, R.I.P. And the entire neighborhood changed and became expensive. So my first investment <laughs> <laughs> in was a good one. Oh, yeah, no, I moved amazing. after after I moved to um, the Hotel Meurice. Yes, uh, it's a palace, and I, I rented two bedrooms that we transformed into a salon. I stayed there for seven years, but after I suffered a little bit that people in the street would say, "Oh, Christophe, it's only for the stars," and they thought the same for the product. So I was fed. I'm not a diva at all. Even if Celine Kaplan, my PR, says I am. No, I'm not. She's much more than I am. Uh, <laughs> She's <laughs> doing her hand like comes yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, no, I wanted to be more accessible for the product and for myself. So I went into Ruba Chaumont, mm -hmm. which is uh, you, uh, for you, Canadian audience. If you come to Paris, go in that neighborhood. Yeah. It's still... Uh, I, just, I just stayed there. My friend went to your salon. I mean... Yeah. Did she like the neighborhood? Oh, she loved it. Loved it. Yeah. Because it's very artisanal. Mm. It's a walking neighborhood. Mm. You have tons of little terraces, tons of people who love what they do. You know, like the mother who works with her son and mm. they do the best sandwich. Simple, but so good. And they love what they're doing. And I love to, um, to be in that neighborhood. And we open up a boutique where people can come for free. Uh, like into a makeup store to have education mm -hmm. because a lot wow. of people don't know how to wash their hair how to detangle their hair they use too much products they don't rinse them enough Often there's so much to say that they come we sit, we have a coffee or a tea, whatever and, uh, and we explain them how to, to take good care of their hair mm -hmm. Amazing and so working with all of these celebrities, as you said, what's the wildest thing that's ever happened on set or in the chair? One of my, uh, one of my first um, uh, shock, actually, was, uh, you know, at a point, all the top models, I had to find uh, more than four IDs a year as a, a transformation ideas, not a little detail, you know, on all those girls. Uh, and uh, there were a lot of top models at the time, you know. And um, one day, maybe I was exhausted, Milan show were starting. So I did on Linda Evangelista a color, uh, uh, which has a, a two color. Um, it was a little weird, to be honest with you. And after Kristen McMenami, which was my favorite model ever, came and I did the same kind of color on her. And when she arrived in Milan and she saw that Linda had the same hair color, she took her hair, she cut it off, put it in an envelope, send it back, to, and she sent it to me saying, take it back. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, that was a crazy time, yeah. Oh but God. for me, you know, I was still the country boy. I'm still the country boy. It was a little shock because I loved Kristen McMillany. Oh, are you back friends again? Sure. Oh. <laughs> and with her daughter, Lily. I know, she's stunning. Oh, I can't believe and all those girls have daughters. Uh, they were on my knees. I babysat them. I traveled with them, and now they're 23, 24. Tell us how your line came to be. What was the thinking? Hello. Yeah. I'm very proud of it, that product line, because, uh, you know, I have no backers behind me. I do exactly what I want, when I want. And uh, my products are not trendy at all. That's why some of them are uh, still bestsellers since more than 20 years. At first, I did this product for my own usage. I always had contract with big brands, uh, 
as a consultant. So I worked with chemists very uh, early in my career. And one, uh, there was a great chemist called Joe Sincota. And uh, I was, we became friends. And I said, me, I have two dream products. Because I said to him, you know, there's a, there are a lot of products on the market for dry hair. Mm -hmm. uh, but with lipids, they're so thick that they don't get inside there. And when they do, they push out, they remove the artificial color, mm -hmm. which is actually a great trick for your audience because if uh, most of the women, when they come out of the salon, they always say, I'm too dark. You know, they don't like the first day, and especially around the face. So what they so all true. could do is take a very heavy oil, such as argan oil or olive oil, and put it with a brush where it's too dark, mm -hmm. uh, and you sleep with that. Okay. And you'll see you're going to lose half of the shade. That's a great tip. Taking good care of your hair, but yes. you have to leave it on all night, huh? yeah. uh, instead of bleaching or mm -hmm. washing with mm -hmm. the dandruff shampoo or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I, I said to that chemist, I have two dream products. I would like to have oil, vegetable oil, because I feel that the hair becoming porous, they lose the lipidic film that protects it, they are becoming breakable, so I need an oil. And after, I need a shampoo, but a shampoo with no detergent, because how could I wash you know, somebody that I bleached for half a day uh, with something detergent. I want to remove the residues of the scalp. I want an acid pH to lock all the good oils inside the hair. So he did two products, which is still my lavender oil and my cleansing mask with lemon. The formulation never changed. And at the time, he said to me, it may be the best formulation I did, but you'll never sell it because it was the time of a wash and go. It was the time where women were in a rush. They had to, you know, they had to wash their hair in five minutes. And it's a two-in-one, the two-in-one time. Everything yeah, was in the same bottle. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And me, it took <laughs> 20 minutes to wash your hair. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so where did it go from there? So those first two products you're, you're And after using? I did two more, I did a shampoo with a very acid pH. Nobody does that. You know, it sounds stupid, but when you do hair color, you do go into an alkaline pH because you open up the cuticle to dissolve the natural pigment and after since 30 years what they do is coating the hair with polymer or silicone which is absolutely horrible for the hair mm. uh, and my way was more to lock once again all the good uh, uh, lipids inside your hair and to lock it with a mechanical action you know in the old time you used to put vinegar on your hair mm. to balance the the alkalinity of the sulfate or the soaps and all of that so it's still my same way. Uh, after I did two other products so, so, uh, with Germline and uh, Colette opened up, Colette, the store I was telling you about, right. they wanted the product. And as everybody wanted to watch at Colette, it yes. started like that. I started to be a distributor without, without even thinking of it, about it. Yeah. Wow, like right place, right time. That really exactly, is. always. So, you know, I'm always thinking whatever above uh, because I'm a lucky boy, always uh, right time, right place. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. So let's talk about the best seller, the cleansing purifying scrub with sea salt. I used it yesterday. Yeah, I used it as well. <laughs> so it's supposed to keep your hair clean for longer. Tell us about why you think people love that particular product so much. And also, is it a scrub or is it a shampoo? Hello. Uh, this product came exactly at the right time once again. And I'm going to tell you the story about that product because it's once again common sense and, a, and an old grandmother recipe. 
There are a lot of women who are suffering of itchiness after hair color. When you do the hair color, it goes into your hair, but it goes into your scalp. And in some salons, it's a terrible um, you know, young assistant who doesn't give a, uh, who doesn't care, who's going to rinse your hair. And especially in the back, you know, in your neck where you are on the basin, because it's hot, it's opening more the pores of your scalp, mm-hmm. and that chemistry goes into your scalp. And at night, alors they rinse like that very badly. They put a coat of silicone or polymer on the top of it and at night you're like it's itchy into your head and you're like uh, I'm doing hair color since 20 years I'm going to stop because I'm becoming allergic mm-hmm. the accumulation since the last we use too much styling product too much dry shampoos you don't rinse the shampoos enough you put too much shampoo you know and especially here the showers are on the top in the US so in the neck you never can rinse enough and it felt like there was a lot of um, dirt onto the scalp that would make people allergic to anything, you know, because it was an accumulation. I talk to my lab and I say, why is sea salt so effective to block allergies and to remove all the residues? They said, you know, if you look into the books of herboristry, since hundreds of years, everybody used that against psoriasis. Uh, I said, can't we do a shampoo? that would scrub because you have to be cautious and those scrub could be terrible for your scalp if they don't dissolve. Like, you know, if you use little beads uh, or whatever and they don't dissolve, it's got a rebound effect onto your scalp. The scalp becomes more greasy right away. So sea salt was the best ingredient uh, because it would dissolve right away onto your scalp in the same time as a, so it's a shampoo that you do after hair color at first i said i did the product and i sent it to all of my hair salon uh, because we sell the product in a lot of hair salon saying do that after hair color but everybody called me for you know for f- three months after to say wow so and me i was surprised to be honest i never thought it would be that success i thought it would be only for oily scalp teenagers but i never thought it would be that enormous success mm-hmm. but it seems that because people use too much styling product don't go to bed with dry shampoos onto your head don't it's like going to bed with makeup onto your skin your your scalp can't breathe it's becoming greasy again and greasy scalp is one of the first cause of hair loss so um That's why that scrub is doing so well. And plus, I always took care of the scalp. You know, when you're a hair colorist and you put bleach or hair color onto the scalp, you have to think about the scalp. You know, it's something a little harsh for the scalp. Well, that was one of the things that struck me about looking at your line as a whole, how I think it's different than other hair color lines is because it seems like you pay a lot of attention to the scalp. Mm -hmm. Was that part of in your mind as you were developing your line? that you had to look at the skin as well as for the sure hair. for sure alors uh, you know I'm, i don't do product just to do products you know I, uh, there is enough pollution with the plastic and all of that on the planet what i do when i do a product i want it to have a, sense you know a real sense so there was nothing on the market that would take care like that of a scalp it means that removing the residues and at the same time we have in the, in that formulation something uh, uh, it works a little bit like a natural probiotic probiotic mm-hmm. uh, it's made out of oat and it's going to keep the hydration of your scalp up to four or five days because I don't want you to wash your hair all the time. I want you to keep your hair clean because when you have a fragile hair color, if you wash it, you know, like crazy for sure, it's never going to last. Okay, can't let you go without asking about color trends. Number one question, what, what is the number one question you get from women about their hair color? 
For decades, they used to come with a picture of a girl which was the star of the time to say, I want to be like her. And since two or three years, nobody comes with a picture anymore. They all said to me, um, look at me, uh, what would be the best for me? I want low maintenance, no aggression on my hair, and I want comfort. I don't want it mm -hmm. to. I don't want to be forced to go back to the salon uh, every five minutes, because sometimes you have vicious circle. You're in a vicious circle. The color doesn't last, so you do a gloss, but the gloss is a little bit of oxidation. So for sure, it's like putting more makeup on a bad skin. People don't want that anymore. People want to come to the salon. I was worried, uh, truly. There's a little dislike about hair color uh, mm. all around the world. That's why a lot of brands are coming up with uh, vegetal hair color. Uh, watch out because you know those vegetal hair color, uh, they're very safe for the scalp, very safe for the hair, but they're unremovable. You can't remove them and the girls, they want to change. You know, sometimes during summer, they want few highlights or whatever, or be warmer or whatever, and after they cry at the salon. So. Uh, be sure uh, uh, to know what's going to happen later when you do this kind of, uh, of product. Uh, so they want, for sure, less aggression, less... Uh, they don't want to come to the salon every three weeks anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you have greys, you're going to have to do it. Mm -hmm. But even when you cover greys, there's a way to cover them with a little bit more transparency. It, like this, when it grows, it's not as obvious, you know, the mm -hmm. regrowth. So... They, they, they really want uh, less, uh, less commitment in what they do and they want more comfort. And they want to look good, you know, with what they are. They don't want to look like any, somebody else anymore, which I love uh, because you really can enhance uh, features, you know, skin, eyes. You can, uh, when you have dark circles, I have tricks uh, for them to look uh, uh, less obvious. What are those? Simple things, you know, those dark circles are always a little greenish, bluish, something like that. So already choosing a shade on your hair, which is a teeny warmer, a teeny golder is going to help. And you have to, even if you want to go blonder with highlights or whatever, inside you have to have always a base a teeny darker than your um, dark circles. Oh, interesting. Especially when you're aging. So there are so many people who are trying to come up in the creative industry, whether, you know, they're hairstylists or makeup artists. What advice would you have for them or what's the best advice you've ever gotten in your career? Yeah. To think long term, always, you know, to really think that uh, long term, it's stupid to say so. But as a hair colorist, I believe, you know, you have to think long term. An actress, maybe next year, she's going to have to be blonde or red, brunette, whatever. So you have to take good care of her hair. For, um, but above that, I saw a lot of people, you know, would follow the trendy uh, girl or the hit girl of the moment. Uh, but that hit girl of the moment may not be... Uh, trendy two years after. Um, me, I always tried to be loyal. I could not take care of everybody. Uh, but uh, I tried to be loyal, you know, for sometimes more than 25, 30 years to the same people. Even if they were not successful, uh, uh, they became friends and that's something uh, more important. Yeah. Uh, and uh, now you have to be, you, you know, a lot of people, a lot of young people uh, wants to be famous right away. You know, that's funny how they want to be famous. 
But uh, me, I always remember the uh, or trendy. I always remember when I first arrived in Paris. I worked for many years with Yves Saint Laurent by himself, and I loved that guy so much. And that's a French expression. I don't know how it could translate English, but he told me, uh, you know, to want to be trendy, it means uh, to be in the wind in French. You know, say it so, in French for us. Être dans le vent. Être dans le vent means to want to be trendy. And uh, he always told me, Yves Saint Laurent, if you want to be in the wind, it's the ambition of a dead leaves. So never be trendy. He yeah. always told me, if you want to be out of trend, you'll be, you know, you're, if you're trendy, you'll be out of trend. Yeah. Never be trendy. I do have to ask you, speaking of your clients that you've had for decades, we have to ask about Catherine Deneuve. Yeah. She's probably your most famous yeah. um, client that you've had for so long. Tell us about just working with her and something that people may not know about Catherine. You know, I, I, there's something people don't know, and I'm not going to say because uh, because she's very <laughs> private and, yeah. uh, and, uh, and 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 she doesn't want to talk. Uh, she doesn't talk about herself. That's funny. You see, that was still a time when when you could create myth, not talking about yourself. Uh, now the times are different. Now you show what you eat, you show your ass, and you become famous. Uh, I believe it's going to come back, you know, because people always want mystery. You know, they want to, they want to appropriate themselves that thing. They want to dream, you know. So um, I believe that's a great example of building a career. And when you look in fashion, Marta Margiela and all of those names that's still going on, they're always people who were very mysterious. It's so true. Now, what can I tell you about Catherine? You know, you can't do that kind of career if you're not a wonderful smart person and Catherine is a wonderful smart person and I learned a lot through her thank you so much thank you I thank you <laughs> I thank you thanks for tuning in visit breakingbeautypodcast.com for details on all the damn good products we talked about in today's episode and be sure to sign up for our newsletter that way you'll get every episode delivered right to your inbox you won't miss a single thing or subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast fix. And please show us some love by rating us or reviewing us in iTunes. See you next time. Like a cherry bomb, like a cherry bomb.